One of the things I'm giving thanks to the Lord for this morning is our chancel choir. It is, aren't they fabulous? One of the things we're discovering is that I suspect it goes back, you know, decades now, but the loss of some of the funding in our schools has cut programs for the arts, and though thankfully in San Marino we have a very robust choral program in our middle and high schools, we're finding it more difficult to find people who know how to and want to sing in choirs. So I want to just encourage you, if you appreciate this choir and you have any inkling of wanting to sing, to sing your faith, it's a remarkable what you learn in the text, uh, the lyrics of these great anthems and hymns. I encourage you to join this choir and become part of them. Our text of scripture for today comes from the Gospel of John, the 18th chapter it's the story where Pilate confronts Jesus with the accusations against him. We pick up the text in verse 33 of John 18. Listen for God's word for you. Then Pilate entered the headquarters, again summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you king of the Jews? Well, Jesus answered, do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? And so, dear God, as we come to this new day and this new week of thanksgiving, we come asking that you would meet us here in this moment of worship as we listen for your word. Speak to us now as only a living God can. For we pray in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Moments of truth. I can remember years ago while I was in seminary preparing for ministry, I spent one semester at the Twin Town Treatment Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. It was a residential treatment facility for those dealing with dependencies with drugs and alcohol. As part of my training as an intern in this facility, I had to go through what they call a searching personal moral inventory. It's one of the steps of AA. And then I had to tell another human being 
everything I had done and everything I had failed to do that actually hurt other people. In this case, the other person that I had to share my story with was the director of the program. It was a moment of truth. Now, he was a rather salty and direct but kind man, a bit irreverent, but then I knew he had heard a lot about how real people treat one another and especially how human life can deteriorate when drugs and alcohol come into the picture. He told me on one occasion he had been sitting with a woman who had been in the treatment facility. Her life had fallen apart because of her drugs and alcohol usage and she had a remarkably low sense of self-esteem. So he asked her, what are you good at? She couldn't think of one thing. They sat there in silence for 10 minutes. And finally, the, the director commented, well, you know, we've been sitting here for 10 minutes, and I, I notice you don't burp very much. <laughs> and she said, you mean that counts? And he said, of course that counts. And then she slowly began to identify things that she was good at, recount them to him. A moment of truth. Now, good things often begin in small ways. And I think gratitude is something like that. Thankfulness begins with the simplest of things as soon as you discover that there's an abundance of things for which we can be grateful. Gratitude is like a seed. You know, seeds are remarkable. They produce an abundance of crops over many different seasons if planted in the right conditions. They just continue to give and to give and to give. It's out of all proportion to the size of the seed itself. And my point is gratitude changes us like that. It's a seed that planted within us begins to just produce a crop out of all proportion to its size. Now, our ancestors in this country gave thanks for very small and meager things. They were able to harvest just enough so that they could make it through the winter. It wasn't much at all, but it led to a national holiday. And I wonder, with all of the abundance that we have whether we would find the time or see anything worth stopping long enough to thank God for. Thanksgivings have been held throughout our history, really only since 1863, during the Civil War when Abraham Lincoln made it a national holiday. But we have celebrated Thanksgivings nationally, not so much because of our circumstances, but in spite of them. Circumstances in life have always been difficult. If anything, we know greater comfort and safety and leisure than any generation before us. So the question is, will we set any time aside this week 
to give thanks to God and to allow that seed of gratefulness to take root within us. I don't mean that you have to be a person of faith to feel thankful. But you can't be a person of faith without gratitude. In fact, praise and thanksgiving are the strongest themes in the Bible. They are humankind's most characteristic mode of existence. Praise and thanksgiving become the most elementary principles of being alive. The psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. The composer Haydn once attended a gala performance of his oratoria, The Creation. He was at age 76, he was too frail to take part, but he contented himself by sitting in the audience and listening to the music. When the orchestra and the chorus finished the glorious and there was light, the entire concert hall erupted into applause and it soon became apparent that it was not the performers they were applauding, but it was the composer. Eventually, as the cheering continued, Haydn rose to his feet and he shouted almost in distress, No, no, not from me. And he pointed towards the heavens. From there, from heaven above comes all, he said. He knew that the goodness of God is in giving music and he knew the source of his own gift. Now, I tell you, sometimes when I'm watching sporting events, which I do too often, it's become common for athletes, after a great performance, to point towards heaven and maybe do some, some action that suggests thankfulness. And I have to tell you, I like that so much better than the dances I see in the end zones. <laughs> there are any number of ways to say thank you. Find one and use it this week. Thankful people attract good things in life. We gravitate towards whatever we hold within ourselves. Focus on adversities and bitterness and you'll attract both. But be grateful for the privilege of living and your life somehow just becomes brighter. If we're bitter, we can find plenty of things to be bitter about. And if we're thankful, we'll find many, many, many reasons to give thanks to the Lord. It's as if there are two gravitational fields. Like a compass, we have to choose which pole we're going to orient our lives towards. And here's the good news. We don't have to helplessly be victims of the things and circumstances of our lives. We can choose which of the magnetic poles are going to exert more attractive force. That's why I believe the New Testament says rejoice in the Lord always. Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. 
Last week here in our church lounge, the director of the World Mission for the Presbyterian Church, USA, hosted a small reception here in our church. Hunter Farrell. We heard stories of the mission co-workers from around the world, and this story emerged for me as the most memorable. Elmari and Scott Parker work with churches in the synods in Syria and Iraq. And try to model and spread the love of God and Jesus Christ in that war-torn world. As we know from the media coverage, there's tense, dangerous conditions in the Middle East, and the work of the church there is vitally important, but it is not without its challenges. So while working with the church in Iraq, under Saddam Hussein, when he was in power, the church there had protection from the government, but it had no freedom to work outside their immediate worshiping communities. But then after Hussein's fall, the situation completely reversed, and the church had complete freedom but absolutely no protection. So church leaders came together to make a decision. We can continue as we have, and we likely will not draw any undue attention, or we can live out what the gospel calls us to do, at which point we'll place ourselves at much greater risk. So following months of discussion, prayer, and discernment, the leaders chose to do the latter. And the church in Kirkuk started a preschool in 2009 with 27 students. And today there are more than 400 students enrolled in that preschool. 97% of them are Muslim. So the imams in the area of Kirkuk issued an order for all their families to take their children out of the Christian school. Immediately, the imams had a room full of irate mothers. And their message was, we will not take our children out of this school our Muslim schools are teaching our children hatred and violence. We do not want that for our children. The Christian school, while not requiring our children to become Christian, are teaching them the ways of Jesus, the ways of love and forgiveness and peace. And not only are we not going to take our children out of these school, this school, we've asked that they expand it into elementary school. The Presbyterian Women's Birthday Offering Fund has helped to support that development. There are some wonderful moments of truth that are occurring even in this war-torn world. Our text today tells of a moment of truth for Pilate. And the story seems to ask the question, who's really in charge here? Jesus is the one being interrogated, but it's Pilate who's facing the moment of truth. Are you king of the Jews? Pilate asks. 
Are you asking me or telling me? Answered Jesus. Do you ask because you really want to know? Or just because you need a reason to put in the blank where it says reason for death? Here stands Jesus who upset those in charge of the courthouse and the temple. He suggested that those who were in charge were not doing their jobs. He offered himself as a kind of a mirror so they could see themselves. And they were so appalled by what they saw that they smashed the mirror. Barbara Brown Taylor remembers being on a retreat once. And the leader of the retreat asked those who were in attendance to think of someone who represented Christ in their lives. When it came time to share their answers, one woman stood up and said, you know, I had to think hard about this one. I kept thinking, who is it that has told me the truth about myself so clearly that I wanted to kill him? And according to John's gospel, that's what's happening here. In the presence of Christ's integrity, all of our inconsistencies get exposed. In the presence of Christ's courage, all of our cowardice is brought to light. Take Christ out of the room, all these things become relative. I'm not much more worse than you, nor you than me. But leave Christ in the room, there's no place for either of us to hide. He's the light of the world. And in Christ's presence, I either fall down in worship and give thanks, or I do everything I can to put out the light. Pilate had a moment of truth. Would he accept his responsibility and carry out justice on behalf of an innocent man? Or would he take an opinion poll and let the crowd make up his mind for him? And at that moment, Pilate became an echo instead of a voice. He took an opinion poll and he missed the truth, as Maxwell Smart used to say, by just that much. Where is your moment of truth? This Thanksgiving, find your voice and begin in some small way to tell God what you're thankful for. Don't merely echo what others have said. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He has faced the world down with all its accusations and has triumphed. And we can do all things through Him who strengthens us. So give thanks. Because gratitude changes us. Thanks be to God. Amen.